welcome to Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the Yankees, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, who are all playing at the same time now, by the way. I'm your host, Don. I want to thank you for listening. And today I'm going to be talking about a few things. The Giants stunning the Ravens on Sunday and another incredible comeback. Yankees win and push the Guardians to a Game 5 tonight back at Yankee Stadium. And the New York Rangers looking pretty good early. So let's go ahead and get started. Lot to talk about today. I want to go ahead and get started with the Giants. The Giants, who are now 5-1, were down 20-10 to 10 with six minutes left in the fourth quarter to the Baltimore Ravens and came back to stun Baltimore 24-20. It was yet another example of what good coaching can do to a team that doesn't have that much talent. It was another game where the Giants were losing early and dominated almost the fourth quarter and certainly the second half in a game that they would have definitely, definitely lost years ago. I will say they got a few breaks as they continue to, and it's amazing when you play well how breaks seem to go your way. There was a fumble in the Green Bay game, which kind of just ended up going out of bounds, um, and a couple penalties on Baltimore here late, which really helped uh, the Giants' cause. But, boy, I'll tell you, you know, the Giants are 5-1. and one, And I'll tell you what, if the betting line in Vegas, you know, if you could bet after six games what the Giants' record would be, I wonder what you could have gotten if you had bet 5-1, and because there is no way I would ever think that they are. Uh, Daniel Jones played pretty well. Um, you know, he's you know, I guess what they're now calling a game manager. And that just means a suck-ass quarterback who can't throw well, but, you know, hopefully who doesn't throw many interceptions or fumble the ball. And that's when you hear someone is a game manager, it just means they're not a very good quarterback. So um, that will not be defined that way anywhere in public, but that's what it means. So when people start to call him game manager, you know what that means. It just means that DJ is, like I said, DJ was. But that said, he did make a couple really good passes. And this year he has shown a tendency to make completions, um, come up with completions in big spots on third down, which he has not previously. Uh, again, many of his balls when he throws them are behind receivers uh, or ill-timed. And while a lot of times he gets completions, a lot of times those completions are limited because of the way that the receivers have to catch the ball or where the ball is positioned when it arrives um, DJ did not do as much yesterday as he did with, um, his feet, um, in some previous games, but he ran a few times, uh, passed pretty well, you know, again, didn't turn the ball over, which is clutch. And, um, the giants somehow won 24 to 20 in what was just another amazing comeback for the giants this year. Um, to say maybe it's one of the worst five and one <laughs> records, um, it'd be hard to argue with that. Except they certainly have beaten some good teams. You know, uh, if you look at the games individually and see how they won the games, yeah, I could see people who are saying that being, you know, not not in the wrong. But you know, let's face it, they have beaten Baltimore, they've beaten Green Bay, and they've beaten um, Tennessee already this year. So that's not nothing. That's not nothing. Uh, the defense looked like trash most of the game. Um, while they didn't give up a ton of points, they could not get off the field most of the game. You know, Baltimore had a their awesome field goal kicker 
missed a field goal. It was long, 56 yards, but it's not like he didn't have the range. It was like halfway up the goalpost when it clonked off the goalpost. But, you know, they, they had a fantastic kicker, just maybe one of the best in NFL history, as I keep hearing from the announcers, who um, missed a field goal. There were some gigantic penalties on Baltimore that continued drives for us or stopped drives for them, particularly late in the game. Um, the defense for the Giants, well, they couldn't get off the field. They did late and, and threw, again, some help from Baltimore, but two huge turnovers. One was the huge pick and long run back, and one was sort of a strip sack fumble recovery at the end of the game that was just electric and really turned the crowd on and turned the game at the end. Um, no matter what you say, um, Giants are 5-1, and one, and boy, it's amazing, amazing, amazing what good coaching and a good management staff can do to a team. And it just shows how dreadful the previous GM and, and coaches were compared to what we have now. So for the Giants... Keep it up. I mean, it's all gravy at this point, five and one. No one's expecting anything from this team, so it's all gravy. Um, I want to go ahead now and talk about the New York Yankees. Before I do, though, I think we'll give them one more. Go, German! Boy, it's, it's great to just say that again, I got to tell you. All right, so let's move on to the New York Yankees here. Um, the Yankees are moving to a Game 5. And I'm recording this on Monday. Game 5 is tonight, back at Yankee Stadium. Game 4, Sunday night, Cole was took the mound again and pitched well for a second time this series. And the Yanks won 4-2, to like also for the second time this series when Cole was on the mound. Um, and the expectations for Cole were very high, as they absolutely should have been, for him you know, to pitch well in this game. He is the ace of our staff, supposedly or realistically, and, you know, it was critical that he come out and pitch well and also, if possible, pitch along into the game, and he did He did so on both counts, um, and I just want to talk about that in, in a few different ways, right? It, it's important that Cole did what he did, and going into the game, there was some hilarious commentary from my favorite moron analyst, Michael Kay, who, by the way, I really like as an announcer, but it's just a, a shit analyst. His opinions are generally awful. I almost feel like they're bad on purpose. That's how bad they are, just to you know spark debate on his you know his show. But in any case, you know his current moronic opinion was that how dare the fans expect so much for Cole going into this game? The fans are just waiting to jump on Cole if he does bad. You know, friggin', of course we are. If he came out and laid a friggin' egg last night and the Yankee season ended because he sucked balls, he deserves and would have deserved every bit of vitriol that would have spewed from all of the fans' mouth because he sucked balls the end of this year, Cole did, right? And Yankee fans watched game after game as he would give up homer after homer. And all I heard from Kay, by the way, was excuses while this was happening. Oh, you know, it's just one bad inning or, oh, it's just a home run ball. No one gives a shit. If you come out, pitch bad, and lose the game, I don't care if it's like little dribble by dribble over five innings or you give up three homers in, in the second inning, which he did one time. You know, it doesn't matter how it happened. The The fact is, this the second half of the year, he was dog shit. He didn't win many games. He looked terrible. 
And the expectations were that he was not going to be able to pitch too well in the playoffs. And they were right, rightfully so. And the fans were rightfully ready to kill him if he didn't turn it around and pitch well in the playoffs. And it doesn't include just one first start. So Michael Kay's ridiculous assessment that, you know, how dare the fans wait to jump on him. The expectations are very high for someone making $35 friggin million dollars a year and who is the supposed ace of our staff. And the fans have every friggin' bit of right to expect him to come out and pitch really, really well. And thank God he did on, on Sunday night. So uh, that was the first point. Michael Kay being a moron and Cole pitching well through high expectations and, and getting the job done. I believe he pitched mm, six or seven innings, gave up two runs, uh, pit, pitch well. And, and he should have, and he did. And that's great because the Yanks definitely, definitely needed it. Their bullpen was thin. Germany sucks anyway, so the, the longer he went, the better for the team. And they ended up getting a win. Part of that was Bader. Bader hit yet another homer in this series. That is <laughs> that was Bader's third homer in this series, which is spectacular and something completely unexpected. Um which is three times as much as, you know, John Carlos Stanton and uh, Aaron Judge. So just for context there, in four games, Bader has three homers. So uh, that's turning out to be a pretty good acquisition and certainly unexpected. Um, but he's sort of a, a person I like to have on the team. He's speed. He generally makes contact. He plays a great center field. So that was good to see from Bader. Speaking of our big guns, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is having all kinds of trouble in the in the postseason. He's just sucking balls here. I, I don't know what's happening with Judge. He has so many strikeouts. He did hit the one home run, but... You know, I think he's got the homer and like one infield hit yesterday. And that's the entirety of, you know, what he's done in the postseason. And just 90% of the other at-bats were strikeouts. So Judge has to do better here. Um, and for the folks that constantly compare Judge to, you know, the best Yankees in the past, <laughs> Judge is no Jeter, guys. Uh, I'm going to tell you that right now. I've said that all along, even throughout the season where Judge had one of the more spectacular seasons you'll ever see. He's not Jeter. And and for, you know, the people that mock Jeter or say he's overrated, you need to go back in the playoffs and, and watch how Jeter played and, you know, how many good games and good plays he had. I have to look it up, but he had something like a 28-game postseason streak where he got on base, Jeter did. I mean, this is when it counts, right? This is what matters. It's great to have a regular season, and it made this season exciting, especially when the Yankees fell apart in the second half, rooting for his, you know, 62 homers. Judge was about as spectacular as you could be during the regular season, but he is just, so far, a disaster in the playoffs, and he needs to get better. And speaking of needing to get better, Giancarlo Stan. Again, he had the homer in game one, but just dog shit since then. Stan has to pick it up and actually start hitting because he's not playing the field. So he gets up three or four times, goes and sits on the bench and has been dog shit. And Donaldson, the same way, dog shit. I know he's got a couple hits here and there, but he, he just, I don't know, he can't situationally hit if his fucking life depended on it. You know, second, third, one out, whatever. He's swinging like he needs a nine-run homer. Like, you just need a little bloop to score two runs. Just get the bat on the ball. Just don't strike the frig out. And he's constantly, constantly striking out in big spots. It drives me nuts. Ah, God, I guess Donaldson is my least favorite player on the team. I, I can't stand him. And the other thing between Torres and Donaldson 
and some of the other Yankees not running the ball out in the postseason. Costas, who I think is doing a fantastic job announcing the games, by the way, I, I so miss his student analysis, um, pointed out two times in Sunday night's game how the Yankees were not running balls out. And he astutely pointed out, what does it cost you? It's the playoffs. Just run hard. And it happened twice. It happened to Torres. It happened to, uh, I believe it was Rizzo not running. It's just, I, I can't take it. It's just unfathomable to me that you're in the postseason and you're not running hard out of the box. It cost Donaldson the other day. It continues to cost the Yankees. And it's 100%, 100% on Aaron Boone here. And that's why another reason number 68, why Aaron Boone is a dog shit manager, right? And you, I can name a thousand of them. That's number 68 because he doesn't get on the players enough for running hard. It should never happen in the regular season. It does. There is no way in fucking hell it should ever happen during the postseason. And it is, and it does, and it's all on Aaron Boone. And that's why Boone is a disaster. And speaking of that, and this will be the last thing on the Yanks. If the Yankees should lose game five tonight and go home and not win a single series in the postseason, Boone has got to go. He probably won't because Al Steinbrenner is just does not have the conviction of his father and does not care as much about winning as his father does to, to waste a little bit of money and bring in a, you know, a manager who will actually coach better. But Boone needs to go. And Cashman with him, by the way, if they lose tonight. Because I don't want to hear anything about 99 wins or whatever in the regular season. Anyone who's a Yankee fan knows the regular season means dog shit. How many 90, 95, 100 win seasons have the Yankees had over the last 20 or 30 years? Probably 15, like 20. Like the Yankees are always good in the regular season, and that's great as a fan. But the standards are higher here, and they need to perform in the postseason, and they have not. And, and Boone has got to be culpable for this. His dog shit reliever, you know, thing where he's taking homes out and not using homes in the game that they lost for some dog shit reason. Like he pitched, oh, he pitched, you know, the night before. Well, God forbid in the playoffs, you know, you pitch someone two nights in a row. would rather lose a fucking playoff game. Boone has to go. He has to go, especially if the Yankees lose this game tonight and, and do not win a playoff series for yet another year after supposedly being compared to the 98 Yankees in the first half of this year's season, which was a joke always. In any case, game five tonight, go Yanks. It'll be Tyone starting of all people, maybe Cortez coming in. So hopefully the Yanks get it done and can move on. And by the way, last thing on the Yanks, they really, really, really miss DJ and Benatendi being in the lineup. Contact hitters, who both play really good defense, is is critical in the playoffs. You think about what's needed in the playoffs, and you say contact hitters and good defense, and that is a recipe for success. And you just look at the Indians, by the way. Um, and both of them not being lined up has really, really hindered the Yanks. So hopefully, you know, <laughs> if we move on, maybe there's a chance one or both of them can come back, but I'm not really counting on it. So game five, Monday night, Yankees. So I'm going to go ahead and move on and talk about the New York Rangers. So for the Rangers, um, I just wanted to say a few sort of general items. They played three games. They won two of the three. Sesterkin won his two starts, and um, Halak started game three in Winnipeg and 
Rangers lost that game, but uh, they played sloppy most of the game. They were kind of lucky to, to be around, even though they kind of outplayed them. The other goalie, the one for Winnipeg, was really, really good, and he outgoaltended Halak for sure. I mean, the shots on goal were, were very lopsided in favor of the Rangers for once, but, um, you know, the other goalie kept them in it. It was a 1-1 game with about four minutes left, and Winnipeg ended up scoring, then got another one, then got an empty netter. So while it looked like, you know, a 4-1, not a close game, it was 1-1 with four minutes left. I was actually hoping they could drag it out to overtime at least and get a point, but that, even that didn't happen. That game aside, uh, the Rangers looked very strong early. Um, uh, they looked very good in the Tampa Bay game. Also, they looked very good in game two. Um, Mika looks spectacular, you know, I just a tremendous, tremendous top center in this game. He is a dynamic player who has developed, you know, into one of the most exciting players on the ice to watch. He really is spectacular. Uh, we also get Sammy Blay back tonight, Monday night. Uh, he'll be his first game playing in a long, long, long time in a regular season game. I'm very excited to have him back. He brings some toughness to the forward lines. Uh, and he also looked pretty good offensively in the few games he played last year before he was sloop-footed out of the game. Uh, uh, friggin' Subban. In any case, he'll be back tonight, Sammy Blay. Uh, Igor Shosturkin looks great. Um, I talked about Mika being awesome. And we'll have to see, you know, how the rest of the lineup gels together, right? We have Krastoff, who is heard. And Trocek, I don't know, doesn't seem to have fit in so well. Uh, yet. I, I keep hearing about how great he is defensively and how he wins a lot of face-offs. And, you know, we'll see if he continues to do that. Certainly if he just wins face-offs, I think it probably will be worth it. If he's an average player that can gel with Panarin, <clears throat> excuse me, and he can actually win face-offs in big spots, meaning offensive and defensive zones. I don't care about the neutral zone ones. Um, th- then I'll I'll take it, and that'll be great. But so far, uh, I'm unimpressed with Trocheck. I'm not really seeing anything I like very much at all. But maybe it just takes time to blend in on a new team. Maybe he's not the right one to gel with Panarin, which would just suck if that's the case. Um, but for whatever reason, Trocheck hasn't really lit it up for me yet. But. Uh, Rangers look good early, and I'm very excited about their prospects this year. And when they get completely healthy, and uh, Krasov is back, and now Sammy Blay back in the lineup, I'm really interested to see how well they do. Um, I do like having Jones as a sixth defenseman, as opposed to um, Libor Hayek, who somehow is still on this team. I, I don't know how through all these years of suckiness he's still on the team, but he's still on the team, and he was in the other night when they lost, so... Um, Jones was in the first two games when they won. Rangers look to have an exciting team. There's some bigger expectations for them this year, and rightly so, because the team played great. They have the top goalie in the league, one of the most dynamic two or three forwards in the league, honestly. If you take Zibanejad and Panarin, you can even throw Kreider in there uh, with how he's being developed. You know, they have certainly two of the more dynamic players in the league, and, and, and a uh, recent top goal scorer in Kreider. They have a Norris Trophy winning defenseman, Adam Fox, who's only, you know, what, 24 now or something. Uh, many other good defensemen and Andre Miller. Uh, Truba is now the captain. And lots of other good players up and down the lineup, including Lafreniere and, and Kako, who is improving, and, and lots of other good good people and good defensemen. So it's it's an interesting, exciting year for the Rangers. And I have, you know, big expectations for them for the first time in what well, seems like forever since they started this rebuilding in 2018. 
Um, it's only been four years, but you know, um, they've been patient. They've done it right. They've rebuilt properly. And, you know, boy, they have a team that should be tough to be reckoned with this year. We'll, we'll see. So let's go Rangers. And that's all I have for you today. So I want to thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. And please subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends all about it. And I'm going to be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks. Have a good day.